invite you to 1 Peter chapter 4, starting a a new short series this morning. Uh, The plan is to be in this series this Sunday and next Sunday, so four services, and to look at church membership. If you were here in November, uh, you may recall that we went through the book of Titus and we talked about portraits of a pastor. What does the Bible say are the roles and responsibilities of a pastor? Over the next couple of Sundays, I want us to look not at a book, at a couple of different passages, uh, and what it calls, what the Bible calls us as church members to do, how it calls us to live. And so this morning, I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Let me read verses 7 through 10, and then we'll dive into the text. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we come to your word now, I pray that you would Give me clarity of speech and give us all ears to hear. Lord, we would hear what it is your word says. But then more than that, Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in obedience to what your word calls us to. Lord, we give this time to you and we ask that you'd work in our hearts as you see fit. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Peter here is writing to believers, and he's certainly writing believers that he knew, but he's also writing to us. Uh, God, the Holy Spirit, was working through Peter to write this down. And I love how, in, in my opinion, in each of these four verses, it's sort of, there's sort of a twist at the end. And I'll, I'll draw our attention as we walk our way through that. But I think what Peter is saying is, as church members, we have responsibilities. We have obligations. And in fact, we have obligations to one another. We have duties and responsibilities that God has called us to in relation to those who are here. So certainly there is the body of Christ, the universal church, but then the local body of believers is individual churches. And so when we think about Scott Lake Baptist Church, this is the local body of believers gathered together here at Scott Lake Baptist Church. Something like 325 of us meet together every Sunday morning. And we are called into a relationship with one another, not just into a relationship with the Lord, but into a relationship that he has called us into that calls us to love and serve and minister and care for one another. And so he lays out some responsibilities here in this passage. This morning's message is a church member who serves. The question is, how should church members serve? If we're called to serve, how is it that we should serve as church members? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. There are four answers. First of all, we're to be a praying church member. Look at verse 7, if you will. The end of all things is near. Let me just stop there. If Peter writing when he was writing could say the end of all things is near, how much closer to that are we today? Now, I don't know the answer, how much closer we are. I mean, I can tell you how we're almost 2,000 years closer, but I don't know how close we are, but we are to live in this ever-present ever reality that we're one day closer to glory than we've ever been. Now, I don't know if it's 100 years, I don't know if it's 10 years, I don't know if it's three hours, but we are closer to the end of all things today than we've ever been before. 
And we ought to live with that reality ever before us. Scripture calls us to live with that idea in mind. So here's what I know. We're one day closer to death than we were yesterday. If we're not going to experience death, then we're one day closer to the return of Christ than we were yesterday. Maybe we don't think about it this way, but I want us to think about it this morning. We're one day closer to the end of our membership at Scott Lake Baptist Church than we were yesterday. Peter says the end of all things is near. And so that provides a sense of urgency. We ought to be thinking about the days. We ought to be thinking about the times. So he says, therefore, be alert and sober-minded. I I sort of expect the verse to end there. Uh, The end of all things is near, so we ought to be alert and sober-minded. But here's the twist. Peter says we ought to be alert and sober-minded for prayer. So if we understand that we're one day closer to the end than we've ever been, we ought to, what Peter says we ought to do, is we ought to be alert and sober-minded for prayer. We ought to be on the lookout for prayer. So like when we gather together on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, we ought to be looking around going, I wonder who needs prayer this morning. Well, so-and-so's not here. They're always here. I wonder if they're sick or I wonder if they've had an emergency or I wonder if there's something going on. Maybe somebody comes back and they've been gone for a couple of weeks and we go and we say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? I, I noticed you were gone. I've been praying for you. Is there something specifically that I can pray for you about? We ought to be on the lookout for prayer. We ought to be sober-minded, thinking clearly, going, Lord, I know that this could be the last Sunday morning you give me. What is it you want me to be praying about? Who is it you want me to be praying for? We're going to be the church member that we should be. We're going to be a praying church member. My preaching professor, Jerry Windsor, I love Dr. Windsor. He has had more impact on me than, than, than most people. I love Dr. Windsor. I'll never forget sitting in his preaching class years and years ago. Uh, we would do all sorts of things. Sometimes we'd watch sermons, and, and we would critique it, and then we would, we would preach sermons, and we would videotape those, and then we'd critique those, and that's no fun. And, and sometimes we would watch whole worship services and critique those. And I'll never forget, one time we were watching a whole worship service, and we were critiquing, and he goes, all right, guys, what do you think? And we talked about, well, he used this illustration, and we thought it was great. Well, he, he, didn't, he didn't say anything about this verse in the sermon. He read it, but he didn't say anything about it, and he should have said some more about that. And we went on and on and on, and finally he goes, what would you think about the prayer? And we all sort of went, what? And he, he had timed how long they had prayed in that hour's service, and it was something under a minute. And he said they had an hour of service before God, and all they worked in was under a minute of prayer. We do a lot of talking about being people of prayer. The question is, do we do lots of praying? As I was wrestling with this message this week and thinking about this week, I wondered, what if I had, my phone has a stopwatch procedure, but what if every time I'd prayed this week, I pulled out my phone and started that stopwatch? then when I got done praying, I stopped it. Are we talking a few minutes? Are we talking tens of minutes? Are we talking an hour? What if in that prayer time I just logged the moments I prayed for people at Scott Lake Baptist Church? How long did I pray for you all this week? How, How much time 
was I praying for those that I knew was sick? How much time was I praying for this service? How much time was I praying for those who I knew were walking through difficulty? How much time was I praying for the services that we would be in together? That's not just a question for the interim pastor. It's a question for all of us. Let me read verse 7 again. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. We're going to be the church member that we ought to be. It means being a praying church member. Secondly, be a loving church member. Look at verse 8. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sin. So we saw the tryst in verse 7. He calls us to sober-mindedness and alertedness, but in the area of prayer. And the twist here in verse 8, he says, Above all things, maintain constant love for one another. Why? Can I just tell you in Richard's paraphrase and the Polk County translation of this verse what it says? We're all sinners in here, so we need to love each other a lot. That's what he says. He says we need to be thinking about love above everything else. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. You know what everybody who works in retail says? It would be great if it wasn't for the people. Can I tell you, church is not a whole lot different than retail? Now, we don't like that. And you say, well, the preacher shouldn't have said that. He just said some of us are difficult. Now, nobody amen, but you all know I'm right, right? <laughs> Here's the di- Let me ask you a question. You ever had a bad day? You, you ever just been out of sorts? Maybe you were hurried. Maybe you were focused on something else and And maybe you said something, or maybe you were short with somebody, and you really didn't even realize it. Anybody ever done that? All right. The rest of you, we're going to be talking about lying next week, okay? (laughs) Like, every hand should have gone up. We've all been there. We've all done it. Like, you ever had it happen on a Sunday? A couple of months ago, I got up on Sunday morning, and there was no coffee in the coffee jar. Now, you talk about a bad way to start a Sunday. That was awful. I didn't didn't know if I should even come to church. I was like, I don't know. Can, Can the Lord work? I'm not sure. The good news is there's a Keurig in the office, and so I was able to make some last-minute coffee, and we were okay. But we've all had bad days. And what Scripture says is we're going to do that. We're going to have bad days, or we're going to say things, or we're going to, we're going to be rude, or we're going to be insensitive, or we're going to say something that we, we, we didn't know all of the situation, and we said something not knowing what we were saying, and it's offensive. Like, that's going to happen. There are 325 of us here this morning. Somebody's having a bad day. In fact, statistics tell us probably a lot more than somebody's having a bad day. Quite a few of us are having a difficult day. Some of us are on our seventh Monday this week. And we know that. But when we make the mistake or we're having the bad day, what do we want? We want people to go, well, well that's just Richard, you know, he's, he's having a hard di- time and he just had a rough day and this is going on and, and we love him and he means better and he, sometimes he says things he shouldn't say and, and we love him and we forgive him. And we want people to show us love and, and show us forgiveness when it's us. Oh, but when somebody does it to us, I'm going to remember what he said for the next eight years. I'm moving to the other side of the sanctuary so I don't have to sit next to her. And I'm going to glare at her from the other side of the sanctuary because of what she said. Now, I hope we've never said that out loud. I don't know if we've ever said it out loud or not. 
When I was in seminary at New Orleans Seminary, I had a, a professor who he had planted a church, and in the planting of the church, he developed what he called the seven heart attitudes of membership. One of those I remember very clearly, he talks about we need to be quick to forgive, quick to love and forgive. He said, he said fouls and offenses are going to be normal. He said you need to think of it like yellow cards in soccer. I'm a baseball fan, that doesn't translate, but uh, anyway, you know, if in soccer they can give yellow cards and red cards and there are offenses and fouls. And he said, there, that's going to happen. It's going to happen all the time, and it's going to happen in churches. There are going to be people who say things. There are going to be people who do things. There are going to be offenses. There are going to be fouls. But he goes, if we know that to be true, if we know that that's going to happen, then what needs to be just as common is love and forgiveness. If we know that we're going to have bad days, that the people around us are going to have bad days, that they're going to say things not knowing what they're saying, or they're going to be insensitive, or they're going to, 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 to hurt our feelings, we know that's going to happen. We know it's part of life. If we know it's part of life, then what we who are believers need to do is we need to love and forgive. We need to be those who love much. We need to go, well, I, I know that person, and that's my brother or my sister in Christ. And I'm going to love them much this morning. It's not that we just overlook everything. Love means speaking the truth to one another. It means confronting bad behavior. It means calling one another out. But it also means praying and forgiving and moving forward with one another. And so if we're going to be the church member, if we're going to serve here at this church like God would call us to, we're going to be a loving church member. Again, we are a church full of sinners, so we must be a church full of love because love covers a multitude of sins. Thirdly, we need, we need to be a hospitable church member. Look with me, if you will, at verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Do you see the twist there at the end? We need to be a hospitable congregation without complaining. Let me emphasize that for those of you in the back. Without complaining. All right? We're Baptists. We need to, like, memorize that. That means to be on coffee mugs, on bumper stickers, and on shirts, okay? I mean, we need, to, we need to hear that last part. Maybe just dot, dot, dot without complaining. That's what we need. Some of you are hospitable by nature and by gifting of God. Some of you get excited about hospitality. My wife is that way, and it wears me out. She loves to have people over. She loves to plan parties. She loves to think about parties. She loves to decorate for parties. And I want to be by myself. I've got three teenagers. A deserted island sounds great. But God has gifted her that way. Like, I mean, made her that way. She loves to have people over. She loves to entertain. She loves to see people. She's excited to see people. She loves to welcome people. You know, there are people in every church service that we have here that are that way. They're at the door smiling every time we come in. Now, has Chuck Wood ever had a bad day? I don't know, but I've never seen it on his face. He's there every Sunday going, good morning. How are you? Here's a bulletin. So glad to see you. We're glad you're here. I mean, it has to be true that some days he doesn't feel like it's a good morning and I'm glad to see you. But at least to me, he said it every Sunday. You see, God has gifted him that way. But he doesn't say to all who are gifted with hospitality, be hospitable without complaining. It says to all of us, be that way. Here's what hospitality actually means. It's how we receive and treat one another. 
So like, I don't know if you know, but there are other people in this service worshiping with you this morning. Some of them are in the pew behind you, and some of them are in the section behind you, and some of them are in the pew in front of you. And this is not just your worship service this morning. It's not just about you. And so God says when we come together, we're to consider one another. We're to think about one another, how we treat one another, and how we make one another feel welcome. Whenever my family goes on vacation, we always plan where we're going to worship. This will just tell you how Baptist I am right now. So several years ago, when our kids were little, we were going to a family wedding, and I got really excited because I realized that the church where Lottie Moon was baptized was going to be in the town where we were visiting. And so I said, I know where we're going to church on Sunday. We're going to this church. I'm not going to tell you the name of the church, although you can Google it and find out, but we had a bad experience. So one of our children, I don't remember which one, was an infant. We were carrying that child in. We came to the church, large church. We stood in a hallway and had a very awkward interaction because there were people having conversations, and we were trying to find the nursery and could not find it. We finally had to interrupt their conversation to say, hey, we're new here. Can you tell us where the nursery is? And they couldn't. They had to go and find somebody else to tell us where the nursery was, and we dropped our child off, and it was sort of a a disconcerting event because they weren't real friendly to receive our child. And then we went into the worship service in a large sanctuary, and we were sitting there, and it got time to the time to greet one another. And you know what the church did? They greeted each other. And Bethany and I were sitting there, and nobody looked at us. Nobody said hello. Nobody shook our hands. Nobody said, hey, are you a guest? We're glad you're here. I mean, nobody even acknowledged us. Finally, I looked over at Bethany and said, I guess I'll go welcome them. And so I walked around the sanctuary and was like, hey, good to see you this morning. How are you doing? So glad you're here. Glad you're back. I mean, I didn't even know if they were back for the second time. I was just making it up. And then we got through the service and pastor preached, gave an invitation, dismissed and said amen, and everybody left and nobody said anything to us. There was not one word spoken to us that morning that was not in response to us saying something to somebody. Nobody ever welcomed us. Nobody ever said, we're glad you're here. Nobody ever said, hey, are you on vacation? Where are you from? None of it. I told Bethany it was one of the most disappointing experiences I'd ever had. I was so excited to be there, so excited to be at that church. I probably shouldn't have told you it was the church where Lottie Moon was baptized because now you can go and figure out who it is, but don't. See, it's the opposite of thinking about self. It's living out what Jesus calls us to, thinking about others. So that when we come here, we think, well, is there a guest in our midst? And has anybody said hello to them? Maybe I should say hello to them. Has anybody asked the person on the end of my pew how you're doing this morning? Maybe I should ask them how you're doing this morning. We need to be hospitable church members. But then fourthly, we need to be church member, a church member who uses their gifting. Look at verse 10. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. There's a lot in this verse. I mean, I really probably could have just preached this verse. First of all, if you're a believer here this morning, you've been gifted by God. It's not optional. On the authority of the word of God this morning, if you're here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he has gifted you. I don't know what it is. You may not know what it is. You should. 
But God has gifted you. He has created you the way that you are, gifted you, given you passions, given you abilities, done so for his glory and his sake. And he wants you to be used by him for his body, for his glory in the church. He's gifted you. Uh, you, you think about, I, I only caught the end of the music over here this morning, but it was fantastic. I came in thinking, oh, I hope I'm not too late. I got to get over there and preach this sermon again. And I got in and I was like, man, they're really, they really doing it this morning. I'm glad. And they were singing well. They don't let me hang out in the choir. That's not my gifting. The other morning, I, the other Sunday morning, I got to sit right there because we were making some announcements. And I thought, I sat in the choir. I was part of the choir this morning. That's as close as I'm ever getting. Can I tell you why? This is not false humility. I'm tone deaf. That is not, my children will tell you, I sing and it sounds like the right note in here and it ain't anywhere close. But Clara, she, can, she came out of the womb hitting per perfect pitch. She just loves to sing. She's great at that. And occasionally I'll be singing in the car or in the house and she'll go, Dad, that was pretty good. You were within a mile of the note. Really good job. <laughs> Disrespectful as a day is long. <laughs> but see, the God hasn't gifted me that way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the choir in heaven. I'm not going to be in the choir here, but he has gifted me in other ways. You think about those who greet and welcome. That is the gifting of God. God has called them and used them. All of the musicians, those who cook in the, in the kitchen, God has gifted them that way. Those who teach Sunday school, those who love little babies and change diapers on Sunday morning because that's how God has gifted them and called them. Those who run the sounds and do the technology. God has gifted his people for his glory so that when they come together as the church, they're able to serve one another. God has gifted you. But not only has he gifted you, he's gifted you not for yourself, but for the body. He's made you the way that you are for Scott Lake Baptist Church if he's called you here. Your gifting is so that you will use it to serve other parts of the body here at Scott Lake Baptist Church. Here's the little twist at the end. As good stewards of the varied grace of God. Second, a couple of things. It's varied. I'm glad not everybody's tone deaf like me. We wouldn't have a choir. I'm thankful that there are musicians up here. I can't play the piano. I can't even play chopsticks, and everybody can play chopsticks. My, all my kids can play Mary Had a Little Lamb. I can't play that. Like, if it was dependent on me, we would not have any instruments. In fact, we wouldn't have any music if it was dependent upon me. But he's varied his gifts among the body so that we all come together and use them to serve one another. I'm so thankful for Pastor Chuck. God gifted him in an amazing way, and he uses that gifting to benefit the body of Christ here. And he does a great job, and I'm thankful. And so many of you others are using your gifting. But here's a twist at the end. The gifting's varied, but also we're going to give an account for it. Look what it says there. As good stewards of the varied grace of God. I don't have time to go there, but Jesus actually taught parables on this idea of we're going to be responsible for what we do with what we've been given. I'm going to give an account, I believe, one day for what I've done with the gifts that God has given me. Like, I will stand in the presence of God and give an account for how I used what God has given me. And so will all of you. It takes us back to verse 7. 
The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded. Not just looking at how we can pray for one another, but how we can serve one another. How is it that God's gifted you? I want to end with a story. I may have shared it here before, but that's okay. It's like a rerun on television. Sometimes you watch those, okay? About 20 years ago, I was pastoring a church. I was a new pastor at this church, and a lady came up, and we were still in the honeymoon time getting to know everybody. She said, Preacher, I want you to know I'm not serving in the nursery. I've already served my time there. I don't know what you think about when you think about serving time, but I think about prison, and that's not anything I want anything to do with. I've been to prison just to visit as a pastor, and I knew that just with that little experience that I didn't want to have anything to do with prison. I don't want to go there. But you see, that church member, I'm grateful to say that she's still alive, and ultimately I think she, she grew out of that attitude, but she had the attitude, I've put in my time and I'm done. Can I ask you, how much time do we put in before we're done? I mean, like, we think about that a lot of times in work, right? Like, I mean, I'm not to retirement age, but I've already thought about it. I'm already preparing for it, and I'm hoping it comes soon. It's not coming soon. I've got a lot of years left. But, but I'm thinking about it. And sometimes in the church we get that way. Well, I've put in my 10 years. You know, I, I worked in that Sunday school class for eight years. It's somebody else's turn. I served in the nursery for 15 years. You know how many diapers that is? I'm done. It's somebody else's turn. How long do we serve? Is it a 20-year plan? Is it 30-year before we get our pension? How long till we're done? Can I help clarify that for all of us? Do you know when we get to be done serving at church? When we're done all the way. Like when he calls us home, he's through with us. Until then, he has gifted us for his glory. Now, some of you have been serving for a long time. Some of you are thinking about telling the nominating committee this year, you're done. Can I just help you with that? You're not done. Now, you may not be serving the way you've always served, but are you telling me God no longer has a purpose and a plan for you here at Scott Lake Baptist Church? I don't believe that. On the authority of the word of God, I don't think he's through with you. Now, it may mean an adjustment. It may mean doing something different. It may mean doing less, but it is not doing nothing. It is serving. God gifted you for his work. He wants to use you. And I think as long as we draw breath, we will give an account for what we do. How has he gifted you? How are you using it? Are you mindful that you will give an account? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I, I'll confess it's convicting sometimes. But Lord, we need that convicting. I, I don't want to live in line with how I want to live. God, I want to live in line with your word. Sometimes that means you need to convict my heart. And so Lord, I don't know what you've done with all the hearts in the room this morning. Maybe you've convicted some, maybe you've encouraged some. Maybe you've brought a sense of you hang in there and keep going to some. God, I hope we've heard your word this morning. Maybe we need to respond to it. Maybe there are those of us who've been sitting on the sidelines for a while. Maybe we've had that attitude of I've served my time. 
maybe this morning we are reminded that the time is late. We might not have much time to serve you left. Maybe that will be motivation for us to get busy serving you wherever it is you've called us and however it is you've gifted us. Or maybe there are decisions that need to be made. Maybe there are those who, who need to just come to the altar and have a time of prayer and get some things set and make some commitments to you. Maybe, maybe there are those who need to go and show some love to someone else in the congregation and say, look, I know you had a bad day and I love you and I'm sorry and let's get this right. Maybe there's some of us who need to go in love and say, I'm sorry, I'm a knucklehead sometimes. Would you forgive me and love me? Or maybe there are other decisions that are on hearts all around this room, but during this time of response and invitation, I pray that we would be obedient to whatever it is you would call us to. We give this time now to you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to be very clear for just a moment. This message was primarily for church members, meaning those who know Jesus. But I don't ever want to assume that everybody in this room knows Jesus. See, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't need to try harder at being a good church member. What you need is to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus. And then once you've come into right relationship with him, then we'd love for you to join and get busy serving God as he's gifted you. But if you don't know Jesus, I'd love to open God's word and show you how you can know him as your Lord and Savior today. The Lord's laid that decision or any other decision on your heart. These altars are open. I'm here, and I'd love to pray for you. Let's stand and sing as we go through our time of response. heart and life is right with the Lord. If you know Jesus this week, I want you to pull out your stopwatch this week and count how much time you pray for Scott Lake Baptist. No, I don't want you to do that. I do want you to be serious about praying for each other and praying for one another this week. Be serious about loving one another, about thinking how we welcome one another, and then serious about serving. Brother Alan, I'm assuming you're closing us out in prayer, is that correct? Would you close us out in prayer and pray for our offering, and would you also pray for our pastor search committee, please, sir? Pastor Richard, I just wanted to thank you for your message today because it gave me great consolation, if you will, because I, you, I've told Chuck this, I enhanced the choir greatly by not being in it. <laughs> and that's a funny way of saying it, but I can't sing. But I can make a joyful noise. Right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we close. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your grace, your mercy, your love. We thank you, Lord, that you have welcomed us into this place today, that we might lift up Jesus, that we might call upon his name, that we might exalt the name of Jesus, and that, Lord, we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for that. But, Lord, we pray that the worship service would not end when the service ends, that we would continue giving glory and honor and praise to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords all during this week. We pray, Lord, for our offering that's taken up at the end. All three of the exits have plates that will receive your offering. And, Lord, we just thankfully come before you today giving back to you a portion of that with which you have blessed us. We want to lift up our search committee, searching diligently for the man whom God has chosen. Wherever he is, wherever his resume is floating around in, the, in cyberspace, let them find it, lead them to it, give them unity and unity of spirit and mind so that they might be purposely looking for your candidate, your man. Bless them, bless us in turn. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.